Kyle Fever said this. He said, God's reconciliation does not stop with me and my own sinfulness. It aims to resurrect humanity from the palpable, widespread systemic brokenness of a world caught under sin and death. Today, we're going to pray through one result of that reconciliation, the unity of two completely different people groups. Welcome, I'm Michelle Berkey, and this is Praying Scripture, a weekday broadcast where we use God's own words to honor Him and to talk to Him about the things going on in our life and in our world. We are in episode 156 today, praying through the second half of Ephesians chapter 2. Lots of twos today, the second half of Ephesians chapter 2. But before we do that, we're going to open with a bit of worship. And the worship verse that we have this morning comes from our passage for today. Ephesians 2.13 says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So let's pray. Father, I will often open, well, not these broadcasts, but previous ones that we've done with a verse that reminds us of how we have access to you, how we are sitting next to you in Christ, how how our dialogue and our relationship is even possible, and that's through the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus. And this verse echoes that. Now in Christ, I who was far away from you, because of sin, can be brought near because of his sacrifice, because the blood he shed or spilled or was um, given for my sin. And I just thank you for that this morning. I, I worship you in the idea that you were the sacrificial lamb that had to be killed for me. And I ask that you would awaken the awe and the, the profound nature of how I walk. Okay, that's I started one sentence and started finishing with another. I do ask that you would awaken that awe to that gift for me. Help me remember how profound that really is. Because when we sit in that for years, sometimes it can feel like old news. And I I don't want that ever to happen in my life or in the lives of anybody praying with us today. Let that always be this fresh amazement at that gift that you've given us. At the same time, I ask that you would grow my appreciation, not only this this awe and this, boy, it's going to be a hard day for words, <laughs> I can tell already, not only the awe, but an active appreciation of because of that, so then I will live this way. And that kind of echoes this whole book, This this the first half being, this is what is true, and so this is how I should live. And so I, I pray that this particular truth would sink so deep in my heart that that would be my my response as well, that because you have brought me who was far away, near to God through Jesus's blood, that that would result in a certain way that I live my life. As we go through this this morning, I, I should ask you to help me with words because they seem to be, I seem to be struggling with that today, but also just open this text to us. There's some churchy words and Paul's writing gets kind of convoluted at times. And I guess I just asked Spirit that you would teach us, guide us, <laughs> rebuke us, do whatever you need to in each one of our hearts through these words today. Pray that this time would be a beautiful offering to you, Father, and that we would be so enriched by sitting in your presence for a few moments. I ask that you would give me the words that you want said 
and that then you, Spirit, would take those words and do what you do best in each one praying with me today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so <laughs> we've established that it's going to be an awkward talking day, So, but hopefully it'll get a little bit better here. We're in Ephesians 2, 11 through 22 today. So this is the second half of the chapter 2 of Ephesians. I need to issue a churchy word warning. We have some words coming up in this passage that may be common inside the church that we throw around, but outside of the church, they would have very different connotations. The experience of those words would have different meanings. And so I want to give that warning that that's what you're going to hear today, and I'll kind of dig into those in a few minutes or explain those in a bit. The whole chapter, chapter two, is pretty foundational for the rest of this book, and I kind of want to remind you that Paul's writing to Gentiles— Now, the church began with the Jews, but as Paul and others spread the message and planted churches throughout the world, the church became more and more Gentile. And these two people groups, the Gentiles and the Jews, brought different perspectives, different experiences, different religious backgrounds, different practices, whole different worldviews. And they were a people opposed. The Jews hated the Gentiles. This was a separateness to these two groups. They they would not eat at the same table. They would not talk. Like, they were just two completely different groups. So, wanna, they lay out that context for this, this chapter and this passage today in a little bit, but let's tackle the churchy words for a moment. Um, the first one you'll hear is circumcision. Circumcision, which we still practice today, but at that time, it was a sign of the, Abra- I say this wrong every time I say it, Abrahamic, I think that's wrong, covenant of God's commitment to the Jews. And so when you hear this passage describes circumcised and uncircumcised, in this context, you can just substitute the word Jews and Gentiles. The Jews were the ones who had this practice related to their religion that the Gentiles did not. And so you can you can just understand this as Jews and Gentiles. At one point, you'll also hear that Jesus made the law of no effect. The Greek word means to abolish or put an end to or render inactive. In modern English, we might say that he nullified the law. Richard Neal Donovan says this, What Christ has abolished is the law of commandments contained in ordinances or dogma, the law that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai from Exodus 20, verses 1 through 17. This is the law that guided Israel for many centuries. This was God-given law. Jesus' death and resurrection ushered in a new covenant and made possible our unity with God and the unity among peoples as well. We saw in the first half of the chapter this kind of, if you think of them as concentric rings, this outer ring, so to speak, the reconciliation of humanity through Christ from dead in sin to alive in Christ, our reconciliation with God. And now we have this, therefore, or in this translation, you'll, you'll hear the passage start, so then with moving into a more personal, intimate example, the unification of two separate peoples, something that has so many implications for us today. So let's get to it. I'm going to read the whole thing before I pray, and then I'll go back and hit something from several different sections, a lot of different sections of the text. So um, this is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. So then... Remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time you were without Christ, 
excluded from the citizenship of Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations, so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole building, being put together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. All right, that's the passage. Let's go to prayer. Father, these two separate groups, the Jews and the Gentiles, are examples of so many different kinds of divisions that we see today. But this one, with them originally, those who were close to God and those who were far away because the covenant did not include them, your sacrifice made it possible for those outsiders not only to be allowed into into the room, so to speak, but to be cherished sons and daughters, adopted into the family, no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints, members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ as cornerstone. All of us, Jew and Gentile, growing into a holy temple in the Lord. To us, that doesn't seem like maybe as big a deal as it was when this was written. But there are a lot of people, a lot of outsiders from the church today, that it would be a big deal if we were to remember that you died for them too, that they are also being built into this holy unity, one body. Our divisions are different perhaps, but I pray that we would see this example today that too completely and I, I didn't I didn't talk about this quite as much as I could have, not only completely separate people, but hated opposition, enemies, could be built into one holy body, one family, one household, no longer being strangers, no longer being foreigners, no longer the, the in and the out, but all together in one body. That's not only possible but your death and resurrection did that for each of us and enabled this to happen between peoples as well. Like the third word in this passage, so then remember that at one time you were an outsider. Remember. It helps us to be reminded to remember because we forget. We're so good at forgetting. We forget what he's done for me. I forget what he's done for those around me. It's easy to forget that someone that we disagree with was made in the image of God and is precious to you. It's easy to forget that someone who is mean, is evil, is acting in a way that I completely disagree with, completely understand, is precious to you and could be built into one body. You've made that work possible. 
I ask for forgiveness for us when we don't recognize not only the possibility, but this is the work. Like, because you have done this for me, our unity within the body matters. And it's made possible because of the work that you've done for me. I can't even, okay, stop, Michelle, take a pause, deep breath. Do you guys talk to yourselves when you pray? Because apparently I do. I do it all the time on this broadcast. All right, I'm going to go back. I got off track and I'm going to go back to the passage a little bit and the idea of remembering. So often you tell us to remember in scripture and so often we forget. We look at the Jews throughout the Old Testament and how often they forget and it's so easy to be judgmental like I could never forget and yet we do so often. Help us to remember. Help us to remember that we were once outsiders without hope and without God. But now in Christ Jesus, we who were without hope, who were far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And what that means for your body, you are our peace. You are our peace with God. You are our peace with people. You made both groups, those far away and those near, one. You tore down that dividing wall of hostility. If you did that with your life, how can I not feel that that's important to do with mine? You rendered the law, the regulations, null and void because you fulfilled the law. Because you've done so, help me live in a way that celebrates that sacrifice in the world. That sacrifice was to reconcile all of us together through the cross by which you put that hostility to death. You proclaimed good news of peace. And so we can take as our identity, not take... We can understand our identity as no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints, with the prophets and apostles who we read about in the pages of scripture. You are the cornerstone with this whole building growing together into a temple of God for God's dwelling in the spirit. No longer foreigner, no longer stranger, fellow citizens, a member of God's household and being built into a holy temple. That's who we are. Remind us of that today. Help us to live in a way that recognizes the truth of those statements instead of letting other people or their expectations or our own expectations or our circumstances in life define us. We are your children, a member of your household, a prized possession, precious in your sight, not a stranger, but being reconciled in peace both to you and to others. Help us live in that way. Help us walk out the unity that you speak of in this passage in a way that is very real and very practical. Spirit, bring those really, even if they're small steps to our mind and help us be obedient in the way that you would have us walk out the unity of the body of Christ in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, that felt really rambly to me. I don't know if it felt that way to you, but I so appreciate you hanging in there with me and praying with me today. If you're watching on the Grace and the Gravel Road Facebook page, thank you for joining us. I'll be back on Monday. We will head into chapter three on Monday, three and four are next week, I think. If you're a podcast listener, thank you so much for joining us on that um, in that format. I appreciate you being there. And sharing that with a friend helps more people be able to pray with us. So I would love it if you would share the, the podcast with a friend. Praying Scripture is brought to you by Grace in the Gravel Road, and my heart is, as we do this a couple of times a week, that we would grow in our, our practice of using Scripture words to pray back to God, in, in using Scripture to pray. That was very awkward as well. <laughs> that is the word of the day, awkward, I think. Anyway, 
I pray that he will answer these prayers in mighty ways and that we will all fall deeper and deeper in love with the God who gave us these words. Amen. Amen.